0: Welcome to the Dave Chang show. Um, a brief note on this episode. This is a few days after Tony's passed. And, um, I just wanted to give a fair warning to everyone that this is not going to be a regular podcast. Uh, it don't, doesn't feel appropriate to talk about anything other than, um, uh, my friend Tony Bourdain, but it also doesn't feel right to talk about Tony Bourdain either. I don't want to speak on behalf of him, his family and those closest to him. Um, I, um, I thought maybe the best way to, to, to honor Tony was to talk about my own struggles. Um, I taped this by myself on a recorder, uh, like two days after, uh, I found out that Tony, uh, died. I apologize if you're a regular on this podcast and you find this shit to be too dark or too self-indulgent. But if it helps any of you feel a little bit better about seeking help for your own struggles, then it was worth it. I think it's what Tony would want me to do. Um, wishing you all peace and strength uh, and all the very best. Um, and this one's for you, Tony. We were supposed to talk about other things uh, today for the micropod, uh, but, uh, I'm going to try, um, to briefly talk about, uh, Anthony Bourdain and, and his tragic passing. Um, <clears throat> uh, I've been trying not to talk about it because I've still been in uh, denial uh, and refusing to accept that it happened, even though I know it and I have to move on. Um, he, he's reached a lot of people in his lifetime through books, through TV, through many meals. He is to many people that have never met him, their friend, because uh, what you see and TV or read about in his books, that's actually Tony. And um, he's been uncle Tony to many of us in this business. Um, the, the cool uncle, the sage, the Oracle, uh, the person that will dole out advice And in many ways. He's been my mentor and my North star because he trailblazed a path that would not be available to me otherwise. And I am in great debt to him. And, um, I miss him so much and I regret not seeing him more the past couple of years, but he was on the road. Uh, he wanted to spend time with his kid. And there's a lot that's already been said about Anthony and, um, uh, my heart goes out to, uh, Eric Repair, um, uh, one of the, one of the best chefs in the world and one of the nicest, most stand up guys. He's developed a really great friendship with, uh, Tony over the years, um, or similar in age and, uh, the silver Fox club. And those two guys would, they had a, they had a real bond together. Um, and, uh, his family, it's a, it's a young daughter that is now fatherless. Um, and Tony worked incredibly close with many people, really, uh, the whole team at ZPZ, CNN, and Inkwell Management with Kim Witherspoon. It's um, it's gonna be tough, but uh, <clears throat> the intrepid traveler, the fearless leader, uh, we will move on uh, and do it in his honor, uh, and, and and make it better. I'm trying not to talk about certain things because I don't know if I ever will, and I'm not ready out of respect, uh, to tone. But the fact of the matter is, um, we all need help. Uh, even those of us that think that everything's going great. It's so hard to ask for help. Well, more specifically, it's really fucking hard to find that help. And then if you are lucky enough to have health care, it's, it's maddening to find the kind of help that your health might cover. And uh, sometimes a therapist won't cover it. Sometimes a psychoanalyst won't cover it or cut it, you know, and a psychiatrist, one that is uh, holistic in the fact that they will treat you and give you therapy. Those are really hard to find and more specifically, incredibly expensive. If you have to pay out of pocket um, and it's unfortunate, it's unfortunate that our healthcare system does not reflect the seriousness of mental illness and, that needs to change. Uh, it needs to be more affordable. Uh, we have restaurants in Canada and Australia, and I can tell you that they don't, cons- they're never worried about trying to get help for their mental illness because they know the government's going to cover it. And here, in my opinion, in my um, experience, and let me preface this, you cannot assume that what works for some person will ever work for another. There's just not a universal standard for depression or neuroses or any other kind of mental disorder because we are each completely unique individuals. We all experience the world independently and uniquely. Uh I've always been leery of anyone telling me through their words that this is how it should be. This is how I did it. This is, you know what I mean? Because even though it's not being prescriptive, it, with such a dearth of information out there, it's hard not to find meaning in the things that were meant for one individual. And, and, uh, that can be really troubling. And I especially dislike the books that say this, should this should work for you. So forgive me if I ever talk about depression, thinking that, um, what worked for me sounds like it should work for you. Let me preface that. What worked for me should only work for me. And, um, I, um, I have seen a psychiatrist, the same one, since 2003. Every day. And even when I lived abroad or lived elsewhere for months at a time, opening a restaurant or whatever, uh, I would, we have phone sessions and it's been on the regular. It's been the most regular and the longest relationship I've ever been in. Um, um, for, for some time. Uh, when I, when I met him, he was in his late thirties and finished you know his residency at med school and now he looks like a fucking old man, much like myself. And uh, um I remember trying to find him and I think the thing that struck me was he was a specialist in child trauma. And uh, I don't know why, but I thought that maybe this person could re- could 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 help me with the trauma I had, whether it was through childhood or really the trauma of cooking. Uh, uh, there's a lot of cooks that have uh, post-traumatic stress disorder because that's how stressful cooking was, um, at least the cooking that I experienced. And it wasn't until I read something by Dave McMillan of Joe Beef, the, the most iconic, best restaurant in Montreal who basically said the same thing in a lucky peach issue that he suffers from PTSD. I had a hard time finding a psychiatrist. You know, I would read magazines. I would read, you know, New York magazines, like best doctors. And uh then and you find out and, like they're all treating up residers, And that wasn't for me. And I did not want to go travel to the Upper East Side just to, to see a psychiatrist. And I, I remember, thinking right off the bat that there are a lot of therapists, but I didn't want to see a therapist. I wanted to, if I'm going to see someone that's going to like deal with my fucking brain and my psyche, I want to see the dude that wanted to not only be a therapist, but they want to become a medical doctor. And then they also like learn, you know, psychotherapy. I wanted the full package. Unfortunately, the full package is, is, is hard and expensive. But when I was dealing with my life, The one thing I've ever spent money on, I think most people would consider me myself a cheap bastard because I don't spend really money on anything except for food. Always spent as much money as I had or could afford on mental health. And I got, I found what I found was the best young professional, someone that I could potentially relate to. And he was probably like, you know, when I was 26, he was probably 12 years older than me. And, um, I, you know, I saw the colleges and went to and all, all these things mattered to me because I wanted someone that could relate to me. So that's how it began. And I, I had a few false starts with a few other medical professionals and, and it just wasn't the right vibe. And I, I, I suggest you do that. But before I even got to do, got help. It was probably two years, three years. And I remember even in college being like, fuck, I need some help and, and not doing it. So I knew it was there, but I, I had never met someone that saw a therapist to help them get their head straight. It's not like my family. And I believe that depression affects Koreans uh, a lot. It's something that in the past, particularly in an Asian household the idea that you could get help for this was insane um, so embarrassed that my parents would found out I did this on the side I would not tell them this it was only a couple years down the road three years later and I needed to see a professional because I was in I was in despair and I had had bouts of despair ever since high school but I was just told to suck it up um, I was told that that's embarrassing. I remember a kid in high school, uh, went into my room and read like basically my essay journals and was mortified at how morose and sad they were. And I could never understand why. And if I wasn't gloomy, I was, I was overly happy or I was gloomy and I was sad and I was depressed, but there was only smiles on the outside. So I don't think I've ever hid my mental illness to those that are around me. Um, for me, and I, I've always stated to myself and to my shrink that my depression is oftentimes like fighting some kind of invasive artificial intelligence of my psyche. And I, what I mean by that is it is constantly observing and getting data points of how I am trying to beat this fucking thing. And after a 15-year-plus battle of it, it is an incredibly complex organism that is smarter than I am half the time. And sometimes I don't even realize I am in a a state of depression because it's gotten so clever as to how I can even recognize it. It's constantly morphing. It is evolving. Every day is a battle. And every day, about five minutes of some fucking of the most awful thoughts that I have. And um uh, I have to fight that every day. So for me, and I, I'll talk about this in other days, that Momofuku was, in so many ways, uh, my objective uh challenge to get out of the depths of despair that I was in. And that very first year of 2004 was getting a restaurant open. I didn't even really think about opening a restaurant after the day we opened up. I just liked, and what I've learned as a trick of mine, is to set sometimes unrealistic goals for myself. Because I know before I go down a road uh, of, of, of darkness, um, I try to like, it's almost like that movie Memento. You you tattoo yourself because you're going to forget it, right? You're going to forget what the fuck why you're here, and then you're going to look on your arm or look in the mirror and be like, oh, okay, okay. This is why I'm here. And for me, um, the very first time I tried this was like, all right, most of my friends are going to business school. Fuck this. Uh, I'll do the school of hard knock, and I'm, I'm going to try to open up a restaurant on 100, 100 grand, right? And knowing that statistics have shown that opening a restaurant is one of the most stressful, most difficult, and high failure things you could do. And if you are stuck in that, right, you're going to just like, for me, the way I work, again, cannot speak for anyone else. It was going to help lift me out of depression by the simple fact of doing work. And I was even ha- when I had days of, of, of that were hard to get out of bed. Um, it was like training for a marathon. You know, it's just something you had to do. And when everything else didn't make sense and my rational mind was not really. Working for me, I knew that there was some goal that way, why I might not be able to understand or articulate. I knew that there was a purpose and I had to get to work. Um, and and after that was done, that's why, weirdly enough, Momofuku became my sort of vehicle to, to fight depression. It was a lot of goals, setting ridiculous goals, oftentimes goals I never thought that I would reach because... It became my therapy on top of the therapy that I was going through to get out of the shit I was in. And, um, you know, it's one of the reasons why, uh, criticism became such a, a, uh, big part of my therapy as a cook. I found that I like to get into cooking. One of the reasons was you get instant gratifications and you get instant approval. And I grew up rarely being ever told I was good at anything even when i was good at something uh, i was told i was not good at anything if i won a tournament uh you could have won it by two more strokes nothing was ever good enough i understand why that was the case for me to help drive me and then in high school i i should have gotten help but i didn't and um that's why high school really sucked for me but i don't think anyone had the idea that i was i was going through the problems that i did and then in college with a lot of drinking and drugs it definitely um magnified the problem for me and there were some some in retrospect some serious doubts and bouts, and then got progressively worse the first time I moved to Japan in 1999 and then I think I had the the worst of it in 2003 which led me to open up momofuku and um all, all along the way in my past, before opening up Momofuku, um, really saw huge issues with self-confidence, uh, approval, self-love. I had a neurosis that I was not smart. I was incredibly stupid. You know, my paranoia was real. And the thing is, in retrospect, none of that was necessarily true. And um, it's hard to make sense of it all when you're in it. And it's much easier to connect the dots. And again, to realize that it wasn't as good and it wasn't as bad as it actually was it's somewhere in between. And it wasn't until I started seeing a doctor and the the, the the genuine benefits of it is talking about it. I remember going through the first sessions not talking. I would just sit there like a lump of shit embarrassed to even talk about it. And I refused to be on medicine. I was like, no, that's for wusses. There's no way I'm going to do it. And I don't know what compelled me to go back. There would be something very expensive sessions where I would just like say nothing, say nothing. And what was shitty with the healthcare package that I was on, it was like, I, I think I could only see one the doctor for like three times a month and then I had to pay out of pocket for one. So I would see him once a week. <clears throat> it was only until <clears throat> uh, Momo Food was starting to make more money where I could see him two times a week. And when we were opening a restaurant or something, it was three times a week. I, 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 you know, that was, it was, it was a lot of money. And, uh, I remember very thinking like, what's the point of having money if I'm going to be dead anyway? And, um, I know I said it too earlier on, my early days of Momofuku were simply because we were not going to be around in 10 years. We weren't going to be around in 10 years because I was not supposed to be alive. Uh, I made almost every decision, like it was going to be a one way, one way ticket, Hopefully, uh, we'll talk to Dave Cho down the road uh, about this idea about being in a state of creativity and ambition, where you feel like you're on, uh, you're salmon swimming upstream. You're, you have one purpose to do one thing, and how the movie Gattaca with Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman uh, really changed my life. And if I see a darkness, the song "Save Me," Gattaca also save me. And the whole idea of saving nothing for the swim back home. Uh saving nothing for the swim back. That 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 concept really propelled me to give nothing, to, to give everything so you never had regrets. What's the point? Right? Um and that was sort of the Momo story for a long time. It was zero fucks because who gives a fuck? Um we never signed our 10-year lease uh extension because I had no intention of running Momofuku past the age of 35. <clears throat> and, um, you know, along the way, I think drinking really fucked me up. And um, I had a hard time communicating. I had a hard time dealing with the stress. I had a hard time with imposter syndrome. I still do. And I I became so dependent on the review process to give me validation as a human being or some kind of award that it never, I never enjoyed any of it. It was there as a reminder, like, Oh, I'm on the right path, but it doesn't mean anything. Right. It's there as a signifier that we're working and I'm working in a place that is validated by someone else. So I, I no longer, uh, it it gives me meaning and award should never give you meaning. And while I can tell you this right now, I still seek meaning through approval and, I understand how that's a fucked up dichotomy. So um, I'm working at it. I am with all the success that we've had. I have a hard time believing any of it happened. And, um, you know, if I believe it, I think I'll spin off the planet. And if I don't believe it, I think I'll spin off the planet. Um, I'm trying real hard to find some balance. Their stresses, right? You work so hard, you're, you're taught to work so hard that there's nothing less important than fucking perfection. And the reality is you can have all the perfection in your kitchen. You can exceed your wildest expectations and dreams of executing your ideas and vision. And, and that's why I think chefs love a kitchen because there's order. But if you... Find out there's too much of that. You're going to learn the real hard way that you cannot find order at home and in your personal life. And more importantly, that perfection that you've sought out is so ephemeral and you become a slave to your own success. You know, I work so hard at such low self-esteem that seeking approval from others, from media, from critics, from anything. That's why a, a poor Yelp review just makes me so sad. It makes me so angry. It makes it just not good. That's why I try not to read anything like that anymore. To find validation in anything else other than yourself is fucked. And I understand that the the concept of approval of others outside of yourself is incredibly shallow and hollow. But it's a slippery slope. And... When it, when it, you have a source of data that comes outside of yourself from a third party, when it's good, it can really make you feel good. When it's bad, it can throw your whole world into upheaval. You know, it's, it's not easy to talk about any of this stuff. And my heart goes out to anyone that has experienced anything similar And I know it sounds a cliche, but you're not fucking alone. You're not. And my only thing that I think that I could ever share with everyone that is suffering through something. And this is is just a non-negotiable, right? While everyone experiences depression in its own way. And the horrors of it. And the fact that it is spiritual cancer almost um you know if you had leukemia you'd be oh hey i'm going to get chemotherapy and you wouldn't be afraid to tell everyone like i'm gonna have to take some time off because i'm gonna get radiation right you can't really do that with 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 uh mental illness or depression it is uh, not something that's visible and it's still stigmatized as something that is embarrassing Um, and I hope that through conversations and dialogues and further talks about this, that it won't. And, um if there's a silver lining in in Tony's passing, that maybe this is it, that, uh, not only on all the good things that he's done and we will have to pick up where he left off, but, uh, one of the good things is that this is going to not make talking about this kind of stuff so embarrassing and so hidden. The one thing I I really suggest to you, if you haven't had your help yet, or if you're trying to find help, or if you need help, is don't lose hope. Right? You have to hope for a better day. And you need to hold on to that harder than you have ever held on to anything or fought for it. Like you have, like nothing in your life. You have to hope I apologize if this was dark, dark matter. Um, I apologize if this was not the kind of podcast you want to listen to. Um, this is not fun stuff. And because it's not fun stuff, it's why no one fucking talks about it. And for a variety of reasons, people don't talk about it. But like many of our fucking problems in our world today, they're problems because we don't fucking talk about it. We have no dialogue. There is no communication about it. It is swept under the rug. And you know what? I think that's going to have to change. Um, anyway, uh, I apologize if this is rambling, incoherent, but diarrhea, but um, I'll get better. And thanks for listening and uh, stay tuned this week.